0: So it's great to be here, Um, I often feel like I should be bringing sort of greetings from the fleet group because that's obviously where um, Miriam and I spend uh, most of our our time, but it's so lovely to come and see uh, all your faces here and to catch up again with people that we just see occasionally. Um, I've been really thrilled recently um, going to the Alpha course and discussing questions that people have uh, about faith, many, many questions, many, many questions that we don't have answers to. Um, and I feel really, really stirred to bring a message this morning for those of you who, whose faith feels a bit wobbly. Um, maybe uh, you feel your faith is a bit small um, and delicate. Um, maybe you've had faith for a long time but you kind of got to a point in your life where you think I've got too many questions without answers and I just feel like walking away, maybe even running away. So I'm going to be reading from John's gospel and, and if you're a person who's just exploring faith for the first time, I would really, really encourage you to read this gospel. John's gospel gives the clearest account of how we can respond in faith to Jesus Christ. So I'm reading from John 6, starting at verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh, that's our bodies, our human effort, uh, is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father God. After this, many of his disciples Turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter, who often spoke up for the for the rest of them, I think spoke on behalf of, of the twelve, and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go, you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the holy one of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. A few years ago, Miriam and I uh, went on an adventure holiday in Morocco uh, with a plan to climb in the Atlas Mountains. In fact, uh, one of us uh, actually got to the top of Mount Tubkal. Um... Before we went on the adventure bit, we decided to spend a few days in the uh, city of Marrakesh. I don't know if you've ever been to Marrakesh or Casablanca or anywhere like that. Really, really hot, really, really busy, lots of things going on. Um, We were walking through the little souks with the, you know, the snake jammers and all the the shops trying to sell you things. And it's really, really hot, really, really crowded. And you're in these narrow little marketplaces walking along and uh, you get people on donkeys, and you get horses and carts, you get people on bicycles, you get the occasional motorbike, and there's people walking back and forth, back and forth. And we just got so flustered by all this, I just said to him, we've got to get out of here, let's just dive into this, uh, well, it happened to be like a coffee shop, let's just dive into there. So we dived in, and we sat at the back, and we got a coffee, and we just sat there. And I remember from the back of this shop, just looking out through the glass on this street, And it was a very, very narrow street uh, with a wall on the other side. So, you you know, and there were people going everywhere, everywhere. Horses and carts and motorbikes and bicycles and people on foot. And then it suddenly dawned on me that people were either doing one of two things. They were either walking this way or they were going that way. And I thought, Wow. There's something in that, there's something deep about that. So I got my little camera at the time, and I thought, I'm going to take a video of this. And as I held my camera up, a little boy walked past the window, and he got to the end of the window, and he looked into the shop. And whether he saw me with my camera or not, or whether he saw his reflection in the glass, I don't know. But he walked along, and he stopped, and then he did a backwards cartwheel, and then he did a forwards cartwheel, and then he walked on. And I thought, yeah we're all going somewhere, we're all busy, we're going somewhere, but we're either going this way or we're going that way. And sometimes there comes a point in life where we need to realize that perhaps we are going the wrong way, that we are turning our back on something that we shouldn't, and we need to turn around and go the other way. So I just want to look at the response that Peter makes to Jesus when he asks them if they want to walk away. And the first thing that Peter says is, to whom shall we go? I thought that was really interesting. He doesn't say, where shall we go? He says, to whom shall we go? It's like Peter spent time with the person of Jesus and there's something about being with Jesus that was really, really compelling and, at- and attractive. So his response when Jesus says, do you want to go away, was, well, to who else would we go? Y- you know, y- you've, you're the one. There's something about you. To whom else would we go? And Jesus' invitation is not, that's the way to go over there. Follow that direction and you'll get to the good life. That's not what Jesus says. Christianity is not a self-help guide. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Follow me. Come to me. Eat with me. It's an invitation to get to know a person. Jesus, the Holy One and the one who makes us holy. The second thing that Peter says is you have the words of eternal life. Now, Jesus has said a lot of things in uh, the time that Peter and the disciples have been uh, walking with him. But one of the conversations just prior to this is a discussion about bread. Um, And I did think that I might come today with a bowl like that and hold it in my hand because I thought it would be a good illustration. Jesus is talking about bread. And the reason he's talking about bread is that he's just fed the 5,000, and uh, not surprisingly, uh, the crowd are following him. (laughs) And Jesus turns to them and says, the reason that you're following me is because you had a free meal, not because you saw something deeper in this expression of me breaking bread and giving it out, and discovering that there's enough for everybody, and there's even loads left over. Twelve baskets of leftovers were gathered by the disciples afterwards. The gospel is for everyone, and there's lots of it, and it's abundant. And so, Je- so Jesus talks about bread, and in verse 51 of John 6, he says something very specific, because he says... On three occasions in this chapter, I am the bread of life. And in verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world, in Greek, the cosmos, so basically everything that's ever been created, not just human beings, but the entire planet and the entire universe Jesus died for. The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh, my body. And so, of course, Jesus is talking about how in the same way that we take a loaf of bread and we break it and we give bits to people, his body is going to be broken. He is going to die. Now, they didn't understand this, did they? But he is saying That my body is going to be broken. I am going to die for you. And my death will pay the price for your sins. And as was was prayed earlier, um, Paul writes in Romans 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, and while we were still walking that way, Christ died for us the living bread, was broken and offered to us so that we can turn around and walk the other way. Hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, Isaiah talks about the same gift. You know, He says that our sins, the things that we do wrong, create a barrier between us and God. But God lays on him, on Jesus, the sins of us all. He takes our sins and puts them on Jesus as Jesus dies on the cross. So those are the words of eternal life. God loves you and Jesus died for you that you can have a relationship with him, that you can have a relationship with God. And then Peter says, the third thing Peter says is, we have believed. And it's interesting that in this discussion about bread, Jesus says seven times in John 6, eat me. Eat me. Eat my flesh and drink my blood, which is part of the reason why people got very, very offended by him and found that hard to swallow. Eat me. (laughs) But eating is another way of saying believing, okay? Um, We can get that from looking at verse 47 where it says, whoever believes has eternal life, and then 51 that we've just read, if anyone eats, he will live forever. So eating me is believing in me. But it's not just believing the facts about Jesus, that Jesus lived, he was a man, he died on a cross, he appeared again afterwards somehow. You know, it's, it's not just believing the facts, it's receiving the facts for yourself. It's taking them in. That's why the message of the bread is so powerful. We don't look at the bread and say, ah, Jesus died for me on the cross. Look, his body was broken and it was distributed so we could all have eternal life. No. (laughs) We have to take it. We have to eat it. And it has to go inside us. And it has to do something in us. We can't do anything ourselves to get eternal life. That's why it says in this passage, it's the Spirit who gives life. Human effort is no help at all. But we need to not just accept the facts about Jesus, we have to take them in. And we have to keep taking them in. It's not a one-off thing. You don't, you don't eat the bread and say, right, that's, I'm done now. No, tomorrow you get up and you do the same thing again. Because We have to keep on eating. We have to keep on tasting. We have to keep on believing. And there's an immediate benefit. Of course, there's an immediate benefit from believing. It tastes good. Verse 54 says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Immediate now. Your first bite of Jesus, you've got eternal life. And then he says, this little phrase that he repeats four times in this passage, and I will raise him up on the last day. So after you die, you're going to be raised up again. You're going to be able to fly. You're going to be able to, you'll have this new life that's even better than the one you've got now. But it's an and to the has, today, already eternal life. So you believe, it may be a faltering belief. It may be, well, yeah, I I think it's all true and I'm going to take this bread and I'm going to eat it. Yeah, you have eternal life. But then there's another encouragement, I think, because the fourth thing that Peter says is, after he says we have believed, is he says, and... We have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So in other words, yes, something immediate happens when we eat Jesus for the first time and it tastes good. But as we go on eating, there's a, there's a growing sense of, yeah, we come to know. We come to know him. We can grow in our faith as we continue to to trust, continue to believe, continue to eat. We come to know. And I think that's it. That's a huge encouragement for us, that there is an ongoing, over-time effect of believing. It's not just a one-off thing. It's like a child who eats a meal and says, well, that was really yummy, mummy, that was tasty. But it's only because they keep on eating over many many years do they actually grow up to become an adult. And as we keep on trusting, as we keep on believing, we grow in our faith, in our experience of joy, in our peace, in our thankfulness. And part of that can be doing What Peter does here. Peter is actually declaring his faith. He's saying, We believe. We believe. He doesn't have all the answers to all the questions. He doesn't know that Jesus is going to die on the cross. He doesn't know that he, Peter, is going to deny, he's going to disown Jesus. And yet he has a faith. He has a faith. It's a small faith, it's a faith that's going to grow. So declaring your faith to yourself, first of all, I believe. Yes, I believe. Declaring it to others, yeah. I believe in Jesus. Sharing your faith with others, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does have an effect on you. It strengthens your faith. It will increase your joy. It will increase your peace. It will increase your thankfulness for what Jesus has done for you. Let's be active in sharing that truth that's in us, even though it feels really, really small. Because it'll get bigger if we do. And we will love him more, even though we haven't seen him. Now, you may have heard me tell this story before. But my son got married a year ago. He met his wife-to-be during COVID. And so for the first few months that they were together, Miriam and I only ever got to speak to Katie on FaceTime and sort of get Get to, get to know her on FaceTime. We never actually met her, but in one of the conversations that we had with her, we, we heard of a story where they went uh, surfing together in January, and Matthew got very, 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 very cold, and Katie, who's a doctor, recognized signs of hypothermia when Matthew was saying rather bizarre things like, I think I'm just going to lie down on my board and go to sleep have a little snooze, and she was like, "Uh uh-oh, I need to get him out of the water. So somehow she managed to persuade him out of the water. It took about an hour in the car to warm him up and get him talking logically. His brain just wasn't working properly. So we heard this story, and we thought, we love her. We love Katie. We really love her. We never met her, but we love her. And then when we did meet her and we got to know her over the next few years, do you know what? We love her even more. And that's what it's like with Jesus. We can love him at first bite but we can go on loving him and we will love him all the more as we do even though we haven't seen him. It's about a relationship with a person. Verse 56, Jesus says, whoever feeds on me will live in me and I will live in them. Faith starts with a step into the unknown. We don't know all the answers. Peter as I said, didn't know yet that Jesus would be crucified or that he would disown him. So here are four statements that Peter makes that I would really encourage you to kind of make your own. Um, The first is, to whom shall we go? No one loves you like jesus no one loves me like jesus the second is we you have the words of eternal life you laid down your life for me the third is we have believed yeah i believe I believe even though I've still got lots of questions and the fourth is we've come to know that you are the holy one God you are the only one who can make me holy if anybody can give me eternal life it's you those are four really really important statements but there's one additional thing that kind of almost trumps them all. It's the thing that Jesus says in reply to these four things. Didn't I choose you? Didn't I choose you? Like the thumb, isn't it? Charles Spurgeon said, I'm quite sure that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I am sure he chose me before I was born or else he would never have chosen me afterwards. Jesus will never let you go. No matter how small and feeble your faith may feel. Listen to Jesus' words from John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. We're going to take communion now. And as most of you are aware, it's an act of uh, belief the bread symbolizes the body of jesus the wine symbolizes his blood we are remembering his sacrifice for us we're also declaring it to one another and that's so important to build up our faith but it it we believe it's not just a reminder of what jesus has done for us we we think as well that it's an action that will strengthen our faith, however small it may feel. And I would encourage you, even if you feel like you have a tiny, tiny faith, maybe an insignificant faith, maybe a faith that you want to abandon and walk away from, that this morning you take the bread and the wine in an act of declaration. I believe and I will come to know in greater depth the love and the joy and the peace of the Holy One of God. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you chose to Talk to us about bread, but then demonstrate with your own body what your love for us means. I thank you that we can respond to you by receiving that into ourselves, not just believing it with our heads, but receiving it into us, and that you change us by the Holy Spirit as we do that Lord help us to declare our faith